What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Builder? We're back again, and today we have on the line Mr. Brilliant Spark himself, Simon T. Bailey. And I'm excited to bring this episode to you because in this one, we really break down what it means to shift your brilliance, what it means to live in your purpose, and also what it means to really just be authentic to who you are and not being afraid of your genius. I feel like so many of us, we have a genius, but either somebody else has talked that out of us or we just feel like we're operating in an imposter syndrome and we don't know where to go let's go ahead and jump on into it what's up dream nation we are back again and i'm so excited to be bringing to you this episode because i tell you every single episode it is an opportunity for you to be able to take action on your dream and this is a a man i would like to consider a friend who allowed me to feel like i could take action on my dream just that much more so without further ado please help me in welcoming to the show my my brother, Mr. Simon T. Bailey. Simon, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation? What's up, Dream Nation? Good to be with you. Man, it's good to have you on here. Now, we were just talking about before we went on air, I had the opportunity and the blessing to be able to see you speak in person. And I'll tell for anybody who has not seen it yet, I know hundreds of thousands have, but for anybody who's not seen it yet, it is such a magnificent picture. And so I want to, I always like to make sure we give the proper introduction for people who do not know who you are as of yet. And I know that you've been featured across all different publications. You've spoken in over 49 countries. Um, You've spoken to over 1,800 organizations, which is just a magnificent feat in itself. But I always like to think of us as entrepreneurs, just like superheroes. And what do I mean by that? We're constantly putting on this cape. We're flying around the world as you definitely are, and you're trying to solve problems. And so before you became this superhero, if we could take it back to when you were just a young boy, tell us who is Simon T. Bailey? (laughs) So when I was 14 years of age, I, my parents took me to McKinley High School in Buffalo, New York, and it was a trade high school where you had to take sheet metal, air conditioner, refrigeration, carpentry, and I failed all the classes. And I went out for sports, went out for the football team, and I got cut. I went out for the basketball team. They said, you are not the next Magic Johnson. And I got cut. And I went out for cross country. And they said, my brother, you are a little slow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you like, what so- <laughs> 
Listen, I felt sorry for myself. (laughs) My parents ended up moving me to another high school, and it was at that high school, 15 years of age, where my English teacher said, young man, I want you to write a speech and give it before the entire school. Now, interesting enough, just a little important note, between freshman year and sophomore year, I attempted to commit suicide because I had felt so bad about my situation. But 15 is is where I found my voice. Yeah, and started living the dream. Yeah. So so, so let's talk about that. And, And you said you got cut from everything. Did you have any brothers or sisters when you were growing up? Like, what was your childhood like? Were your parents always encouraging or were your parents always working? And so they just tried to put you into things to keep you active. So you felt like you just could never find your niche or your groove in the world. Yeah, well, I went to Catholic school and then my parents put me in public school and they put me in activities. So I was in a lot of different activities, but nothing was sticking. I wasn't really good at anything. I think they were just trying to keep me busy and out of trouble. <laughs> and so all of a sudden I go to a Bennett High School, public high school at 15. And I think my parents said, OK, this is our last ditch effort or he's going to be a dropout. And I probably should tell you, as my mother reminded me, when I was 10 years of age, my mother and father got called to the school and the principal told them, and what we call now ADHD, but back in the day it was called, I was hyperactive. So so there was no Ritalin back in the day. So my parents just said, oh Lord, what are we gonna do with this child? Yeah, so, yeah. So you you write the speech, right? And and you, I I imagine you presented in front of the school. I did, and it was How game changer. Go? Game changer. In fact, whenever I go back home to Buffalo, New York, where I grew up, go Bills. This could be the year. <laughs> <laughs> there might not even be a season. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. Keep hope alive. Right. <laughs> One day. There. <laughs> yeah. So whenever I go back home, people still ask me if I have that speech. It's called "It's Time for a Change." And that was many years ago, but that became the impetus to me finding my voice and finding my freedom. And why I think that's so significant is because I always say that we do our best work when it feels like our back is up against the wall. And so do you feel like if you could take it back and try to relive that moment, do you feel like this was your last hope as to trying to feel like you had value or significance in this world? Like you, it seems like you were already good at writing and maybe being able to to show your passion through writing. That's why the English teacher said that. Do you feel like that was your last hope? Yeah, it was my last help. It was that last ditch effort that if this doesn't work, I don't know what my options are. (laughs) I really, really didn't. Got it. So, and and I think that's significant because for a lot of people, they're feeling like this is my last hope right now, right? There's there's a pandemic going on. There's obviously a lot of injustices and people are just trying to get things to calm down so much to where they feel like they could figure out who they are, whether they're 15 years old or whether they're 50 years old. And so that's something that you've been able to teach on over the last, what, 30 years? Yes, I have. And it's been an amazing journey. And so talk to me about what was the transition like after you write this, you know, and now all of a sudden you start to find your place. How do you then start to transition to say, not only have I found my voice, but then I can teach other people to find their voice? Yeah, I I should probably build on this story by saying mom and dad dropped me off at Morehouse. And it was at Morehouse College where I was selected to be the freshman freshman class speaker 
and which is a huge honor. It's a pretty big deal. Morehouse and Spelman come together. And that become, became another moment in time where it was a proof point that, you know what, I think I could do this. But as life would have it, I'm living in the ATL, lost. I ended up dropping out of school. So now my dream is on hold of because I, I didn't even know what I was going to do. I eventually did go back to school, but it took me about 10 years to finish my undergrad degree. And the reason that's important, no matter who's listening to us right now, finish what you start, but be open if it looks different than what you had imagined. So you have to be open for the pivots and the changes and the turns in the road to get to your destiny and dream and realize you're going to get there. But sometimes you have to let go in order to let come. Huh. And that's so significant. That's something that I tell people all the time is you do not have to love the journey, but you have to be married to the destination, right? Yes. If you decide that you're going down to Florida, you could go north, you could go south, you could get flat tires, you could get pulled over, you know, you can run through a, a tornado. It, it doesn't matter what, but as long as you know where that destination is and you keep faith and hope alive, you will eventually make there. And what you want to do is enjoy the journey as much as possible, not love it, but embrace it and enjoy it to understand that all of these experiences will be significant to when you get there. It's like, man, this was worth it. So let's talk about what was in the beginning, right? What was your biggest challenge as you started to release your own brilliance? Because you say you dropped out of college, you did wind up going back, but now you've been able to impact thousands of people. Talk to me about what was your biggest challenge if you can look back in that first 10 years? Yeah, it's, uh, number one, it's not who you are that holds you back. It's who you think you're not that holds you back. Sometimes you focus on who you think you're not instead of who you are. I think the second thing is realizing that the pigmentation of your skin doesn't prevent you or stop you. I'll never forget when I was 15, I was playing basketball, and this led to me wanting to commit suicide. And a boy said to me, you are so ugly. You are black as tar. You are nothing. And it was like somebody took a knife and just like ripped me open. And so for a long time, I had to overcome uh, what I would call comparison inferiority complex because I would compare where I was to where others were. And if I didn't have the right skin, I thought my skin was a curse. I thought I was born into the wrong family. I grew up in an impoverished neighborhood. Buffalo, New York is the third poorest city in America, according to the U.S. Census. So I realized I had to get into a new mental zip code. And when I changed and moved into that new mental zip code, I stopped comparing myself to others. I started believing in myself. But then I also realized this, the best hand that will feed you is the one at the end of your wrist. So I had to begin to move into action and not wait for the hookup. Wow. So talk to me about how did you move into this mental zip code? Because I think everybody can benefit from this. Was there a strategy? Was there a book or mentor, even a class or a seminar that you took that really allowed you to, to move that needle forward? Because a lot of people want to, they just don't know where do I even start? And, and is this the right path to do that? Yeah. Everyone listening to us, I strongly encourage you to pick up a copy of the book, download a copy of the book called Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice. Mm. And that particular version is written by- uh, Dennis Kimbrough. Dennis Kimbrough. Dr. Kimbrough 
literally his book became a lifesaver for me and a snapshot of what I could be. And I devoured that book. I highly recommend it uh, to everyone. They got to read that book. Got it. What was the most significant aha moment that you got out of that book? When Was there ever one story? Was there one part? Because they obviously document a lot of the stories in there. Was there one that really particularly stood out to you? Well, it's Dr. Kimbrell's story of how he was contacted by the Napoleon Hill Foundation and everything he had to persevere to get to that point. Now, granted, he was a successful professor uh, at Clark Atlanta University, but all of a sudden he gets this, this opportunity and he had to recognize it and go for it. And what that taught me is sometimes opportunities are disguised as work. They're, mm. they're disguised as things you've never seen before. But the moment you see it, you won't unsee it. And when you begin to put a little elbow grease and lean in, all of a sudden you're like, that's it. And you go with it. Nobody else around you is going to understand it or even get it. Guess what? They're not supposed to as long as you do. That was my biggest takeaway. I love it. And, And so that's really key, too, because you said like, When you first started out, and for those who don't know, you were a big Disney executive, right? You were a sales director. You were running with one of, you know, if not the largest company in terms of customer service and and everyone knowing them. But you said, you know, at one point, and I think I read this somewhere, but you said at one point you felt like you were a boss with an agenda versus being a leader with a vision. And for a lot of people... If they're in the entrepreneurship game or they're thinking about it, I think the thing that becomes so daunting is you think, I can't do it all myself, but you don't know exactly how to build a team, how to build relationships, how to get other people to believe in your vision. And I think that that's something that you've been able to cast very well. What would you say is the number one way or what's the first thing that someone needs to do to try to start creating a relationship and get other people to believe in their vision? Well, first of all, I'll never forget the words Zig Ziglar said to me before he passed away. Zig Ziglar was the preeminent 20th century motivational speaker. And he said to me, if you help enough people get what you want, enough people will help you get what you want. So mm-hmm. you've got to help others get what they want by asking them, in the words of Cuba Gooding Jr. and Jerry Maguire, help me help you. Where are you trying to go? And so before you show up to say, here's what I need, come follow me, help me fulfill my dream, what's your dream? And then you begin to sow and get involved in their dream, and they'll help you achieve your dream. I think the second thing is looking for individuals who are already doing what you're doing, but doing it, say, 10 times or 100 times better and studying what did they do? What were their successes and what were their failures? Because failure comes before success in the dictionary. So we learn quicker from failures. And I think the third thing is to find out when people achieve whatever is that thing that they're going after. How do you celebrate them? And and then because in celebrating them, they're going to help celebrate you. Got it. I love it. Was there ever a time that you thought in the beginning that there was no hope for you to become a speaker? And the reason why I asked this is because I think a lot of people right now, they would love to be able to share their message. And one thing you've been very clear on is how you share your message in terms of leadership, in terms of uh, culture building. But for a lot of people right now, 
they they listen at this and they say, man, I love the way that guy speaks, right? I love the way he articulates himself, but I don't think I could ever do that. Was there ever a time that you were like, nah, maybe the speaking thing isn't for me? Or did you know for early on that like you had the gift? You know what? So I knew early on I had something, but sometimes you need seasoning in order to really become all that you possibly can be. So I'll give you two quick examples. If you've ever had any really good, a good deep fried turkey, all right, you know that the way that deep fried turkey is prepared is the night before they take all of the seasoning, they melt the seasoning, put the seasoning in a syringe, and then they take that syringe, put it in the turkey, and they release the seasoning into the turkey. They put the turkey in the refrigerator, refrigerator overnight so that the seasoning can marinate. Then they take it out the next day, drop it in that 400 uh, Fahrenheit a peanut oil. I know some people already got their knife and fork out right now. <laughs> track it with me. Right. <laughs> but when you put that knife and fork in that turkey, you're like, oh, it's good. It's because it's seasoning. What I recognize in my journey is I had a gift, but I needed seasoning. I needed to embrace that I was, I had something, but I wasn't good. And so the second story is I, uh, for 10 years, I wanted to speak for the Million Dollar Roundtable, which is a huge deal in the financial and insurance industry. I mean, it is like, it is like the place you want to be. So for 10 straight years, I had submitted my media information. They viewed it and they said, you're not that good. So I literally got a Dear John email saying, you're not ready. So finally, I decided I needed to hire a coach. And the coach began to work with me, not one coach, just two coaches that began to work with me to help me polish up and become better. And sure enough, I went back the following year and I was accepted and I had a chance to be the opening speaker in Toronto, Canada, spoke before 9,000 people from 72 nations, 12 to 13 of uh, nations. They were doing simultaneous translation as I was speaking. But what I recognized, if I hadn't had the rejection and the seasoning, I would have never become the person that I I was supposed to be. So whoever's listening to us, realize that rejection is a gift and never forsake seasoning. Mm, I love it. I love it. And again, just appreciating the journey, embracing that journey. One thing that, that I've wondered as I met you the first time was, do you feel like anyone can really begin to speak and articulate the way that you can, right? And the reason why I say that is because, yes, you had a coach. But for some people that say, I want to become a speaker, right? I'm not very good. But at the same time, can anyone get that? Or do you feel like, nah, like, it's, it's not. You can be your own way and you can have your own message. But can everyone become, you know, as articulating as you are? Yes. And the answer is yes. And here's why. What I've been doing, I've been doing this for 40 years, you know, 30 years inside, you know, businesses, organizations and everything. But really, this has been 40 years in the making. And our team just over the last year has been creating this whole thing around how do you do it? And because I get so many calls from people weekly, 
monthly, quarterly. Hey, how do you do? How do you? And, and for me, it's like breathing air. I don't think about it. Right. So we just we decided to go into the laboratory and literally unpack how to present how to embrace public speaking. And we'll be rolling out in the next months, uh, next month or so, this whole program around this concept. But here's what I'll say. The answer is absolutely yes. And speaking just really comes down to understanding how do you stand in your confidence and, and start with a conversation. And then, and then we unpack, how do you move from the speech to the connection? Because that's where it's at. And if right. you've really studied any great speakers or presenters, they just have this way where it, it's not speechified or it's like, hey, where's this going? And then all of a sudden you like you feel like you're in the living room, like you and I just having a conversation. That's speaking, like when you distill it down. So we've right. been able to do that. I'm so excited to, to really bring this to the world and teach people what we've been working on for 40 years. Hey, what's up, Dream Builder? Have you been getting any value out of this episode? Would you like to get more exclusive content just like this delivered right to your inbox? If so, head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com and you can sign up for the email list and that will give you access to exclusive content and more interviews just like this that's gonna be delivered only to our tribe. So head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. Talk to me about for you help a lot of people find their spark or find their joy. And I think for a lot of people right now, as they look at this new transition of life, the way that we're going to communicate, the way that we will, you know, even be able to uh, be in the presence of other people, right? With social distancing, we don't know where it's going. But for a lot of people right now, they're in a place and they're thinking, listen, I don't necessarily want to go back to this job. Right. I want to actually go out there, find my spark, find my joy, find what makes me come alive. But I don't even know where to start. Should I go after my passion? Should I go after the profit? How do you always educate and advise people? Can How would someone go after whatever makes them come alive? What's the first thing that they need to do? Answer the question, what problem have you been created to solve? Because in a world of automation, algorithms, autonomous cars, artificial intelligence, men and women that are going to be relevant for where the future is going has to really start with what problem have I been created to solve? Now, once I understand that problem that I've been created to solve, what are the core skills that I need in order to be relevant? So let's take it back. And, and, and I, I hate to do this, but that's a big, that's a complex question. It's a big question. It is, but an important question. Right. Because so many people have been told, oh, you can do anything. Just go for it and pursue your passion. That's great but you may not make money in your passion. And if money is the thing you need, you know, then you have to think about, does this problem solve money? It can be my passion, but does it really solve a problem? Is it really, really needed? So in unpacking that, that particular question, you then say, what are the skills that I need for where the future is going? And the LinkedIn has just released the type, top five skills that are needed uh, for the workforce of the future. Skill number one, creativity. All right. Skill number two, persuasion, which is that public speaking. Skill number three, adaptability, being able to change, flex, be agile. Skill number four, collaboration, 
working with others who don't necessarily look like you, but you can show up on a team as a contractor, as an entrepreneur, as an employee, or as an intrapreneur to help move something forward. And then skill number five, emotional intelligence, being self-aware, the ability to read what's going on in you and in others. So if I'm gonna solve a problem, I have to think, do any of these five skills, do I need to improve? Do I have these five skills? Do I have one of them? And how do I go deep in those skills as I solve problems? I love it. Do you think that it's more valuable today to be a specialist or a generalist? Generalist, absolutely. Hands down. Generalist. Wow. Let's unpack I, that for sure. Yeah. So here I am working at Disney and, and I have 30 years in the hospitality industry, six different companies, 10 different jobs. So I've seen a lot, done a lot. But then I leave Disney and I'm now out here and all I heard for 17 and a half years, you got to specialize in something. So I'm like, okay, my area that I'm going to specialize in is brilliance. So I started writing about brilliance, talking about brilliance. But then after a while, I realized, wait a minute, I want to do some other things. I just don't have to speak. I can create an online course. I can do executive coaching. I can write books. I can do, like, there were probably five other areas that I could go in. So be a generalist. And here's why I say this. Um, a few years ago, I was invited to Johannes, South Africa to be recognized at an event. And at the dinner the night before the event, I'm sitting next to a guy and, you know, we exchange names. And I said, so what do you do? And he says, I'm a slashy. And I'm like, what's a slashy? He said, I'm a digital photographer slash I'm a computer programmer, slash, and I'm a fashion designer, slash. I said, how old are you? He says, I'm 22 years of age. And I realized in that moment, I went all the way to South Africa to get free. What he was saying is you can be a slashy. A slashy is the person that doesn't settle for the way it's always been done. They mm. have what the new book that's out, uh, the author name escapes me. The book is called Range. You right. got to have range I, I in have, this economy. Yes. Yes. You got to have it and it's all good. <laughs> And, and I love that because obviously when most people are getting into business, they say, find your niche, right? Find who is your ideal customer. What is the one problem that you can solve? You could do it better. And obviously there's different compelling arguments and persuasion to, to think. But one time I was talking to one of my buddies and, and he's a barber and he had said, he wanted to be the number one barber, but he also loves coaching. He loves, loves all of this, but he wanted to be the number one barber. And I asked him the question. I said, would you agree that Steph Curry is probably the best shooter in the game, at least today, maybe even ever? And he said, yeah. And I said, great. And then I said, would you agree that probably right now LeBron's the best uh, player in the NBA? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, would you ever draft, if you had one game where you're building a team around one person, would you ever take Steph Curry over LeBron? And just wanted to see his answer and he said no and it quickly and I said well why not and he said well with LeBron you get the total package right with Steph Curry you know you're gonna get that that jumper but LeBron you get it all and I was like so that was my point exactly and I feel like I am one of the minority just like you that I believe that there's so much value in being a generalist but in the world they always tell you you gotta specialize which makes people feel like they're being put into a box Right, right. right. And That's so, why the number one skill is creativity. A person that can be dropped, airdropped in any situation, and literally they uh, channel their inner MacGyver 
they're a Swiss army knife. They can do a lot of things well, multidimensional mm. thinking. I love it. I love it. Now, for you, when you first got started in speaking, because I, I, I love the fact that you've spoken over 1,800 organizations, you do everything from coaching to consulting and everything else. A lot of people, they would like to get their 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 world started in speaking, right? They would love to just share their message, whatever it is. But I think it becomes so challenging because people don't know how to go out and find like paid speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. And for you, do you feel like right now for where we are in, in the world, it's easy to be able to go out and find paid speaking engagements? Or do you feel like if you're going to try to become a speaker, go do it for free for six months to a year, and then the paid speaking engagements will come, you know, later on down the road? Yes. So nothing is easy because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. So when I tell people I have to still get up every single day and dial for dollars as mm. if um, it's day one, as if it's day one, I don't assume anything, but we've gotten smarter over the years as we think about our business. So if you were just starting out in this COVID-19 environment as a speaker, where should you start? You know what I would do? I would take a chapter out of the hip hop preacher, uh, Eric, Eric Thomas. Uh, yeah, Eric Thomas. I would literally get on YouTube every single day and I would have a motivational minute that you just put out there every single day and let people just get connected with your content. Second thing I would do is I would obviously have a website and create a blog and I would go and get friends, family, besties, people all over and create a surround sound and tell them, start sharing my blog with others. Third thing that I would do is I would go to organizations who are trying to get their remote staff to re-engage with a fresh new perspective, especially in light of everything that's happened over the last few weeks with Breonna Taylor, certainly George Floyd. And I would be so intentional to say, guess what? I can come to your organization via Zoom and I can deliver right through this medium, even if it's free before we get to fee. I would just show up and I would be everywhere because if you think about it, if you're really hungry in the words of Les Brown, you probably could do five to six virtual webinars a day, like mm. a day. And, and, and the free would lead to fee. How bad do you want it? But what I realized, some people are not willing to do the work. They're waiting for the phone to ring or the email right. to come. And I have good news and I have better news. Uh, the, phone is, the phone is not going to ring. And the better news is you have to go after it. <laughs> I love it. And that's so much of what it is, right? I mean, people have all of the opportunity in the world right now, but they're still not moving their needle. And when I say that, I said, when this pandemic first was looking like it was about to hit, I said, this is going to be an opportunity for many people to reset their situation. Right. Totally. With all we've never had the low interest rates, you know, unemployment. Like now is that time that if you were ever going to take a risk, as long as it was a calculated risk, if right. you were ever going to take a risk, these last four months have been all of that. Totally. Right. And totally. so I love the fact that you said it. And hopefully somebody hears that and they say, you know what, that is something. But here's the other thing. 
when it comes to the terms of speaking, a lot of people say, right, if you market to everyone, in a sense, you market to no one, right? And you, we've already talked about being a generalist. And a lot of people say that you have to go out there and you have to have one clear message. Mm-hmm. In that world, do you think that it's more important to, to be a, a generalist or a specialist in that? How do you find that one message that you feel like people will pay for? Yeah, so I'm glad you flipped the question. So yes, when it comes to that specificity, you need to be known for that core area that you deliver and and really be seen as the subject matter expert for what you do. So people have known me for over 15 years for talking about release your brilliance, shift your brilliance, releasing leadership brilliance. But what I recognize, that was the 1.0 and now I've built on that with Spark. So now everything is about Spark and people think of me top of mind as it relates to Spark. So yes, be known for that, but you also want to allow people uh, to know that you have a repository of thinking that allows an organization or business to become better because of you. Got it. So do you feel for somebody that's listening to this right now and they're saying, okay, well, I don't know very much about brilliance, right? And I kind of know a little bit about what's going on in current events. Is there a industry or a topic or buzzword that maybe I should be looking into that could help me at least get my foot in the door for the first couple and then I can build off of that? You know, is there anything that you've seen? Because it feels like that there's many of things that we can all talk about, but a lot of people maybe wouldn't pay for those. Yeah. So everyone needs to wrap their head around and everyone that sounds, uh, let me say a different way because language is so important. I would invite you to consider, now notice how I did that switch right there because language is so important because what I was about to say would seem like a directive and I'm pointing my finger in your face. But when I say, I would like to invite you to consider, it's a different texture. So I would like for everyone to consider the term VUCA. If you're going to hang your hat on an area that's gonna be critically important, you need to understand, let me say it again, You want to understand VUCA. VUCA stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Okay, Mm -hmm. That's where the world is right now. And we're going to be here for more than a New York minute. Mm -hmm. So how do you help individuals get through the VUCA continuum? Volatility, uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity and then underneath that how do you begin to unpack this is how you lead this is how you connect with customers this is how you uh, ensure that everyone in a culture matters here is how you have the difficult conversations about race let me just say something about race Black people right now in America don't want to stand up and be seen as the Black historian for your company, where now they are asked all the questions, well, how are you doing? How are you feeling? That is uncomfortable and that is unfair. So no Black person wants to just be singled out, especially if they're the only one, as if they have all the answers because they do not speak for the race, okay? I just had to get that out there. Right. So. No, facts. <laughs> facts. I mean, for sure. And, and and that is something that people think that they're doing the right thing. How are you doing? How is your head right now? How's your heart? And it's like, 
And then and you know that that conversation came up over the water cooler. So there's six other people that's all about to do this. And now they all want to know your response. And then they're going to go back and talk. Oh, well, yes. No, I'm glad that you brought that up. So so if you're going to focus on an area, certainly don't pigeon, pigeonhole yourself to only speak about black issues because mm. that's going to limit you. Yes, it is important. And yes, we are so happy that people are thinking about conscious inclusion. But we also want to be known that don't work with me or pick me because I'm black. Pick me because I'm good. And I just happen to be black. That's a bonus. I love it. VUCA. That's something that we can all be thinking about, right? And that's how you stay ahead as well, because just like you said, you were going to be there for a while. And if you want to be known for something that won't be wiped out, if you can help people get to that shift over the next five, 10 years, I think that that'll be huge. Talk to me about what does it mean for you to have a dream and to be able to execute on it because a lot of people right now they have dreams and the whole purpose of this show as we talk about all the time is taking action on a dream do you think that it's important to have a dream absolutely dreams are a snapshot of the future they're a sneak preview of a coming attraction and dreams are like learning uh your abc's B comes after A, C comes after B. So having that dream is getting up the next day and say, what am I going to do to put one foot in front of the other and move through the 26 steps like the alphabet to make my dream a reality, no matter how hard it may be. A dream is a seed that's sown into the soil of tomorrow that will produce a harvest if you water it every day. But when that seed is planted in the ground, the seed actually dies. So your dream may seem like it is in obscurity and nothing is happening. But if we go back to third grade science, we realize that the process of photosynthesis is always working, but you've got to continue to water it and and move out the weeds so that the seed of the dream can grow. Has there been anybody who's been significant? You talked about Zig Ziglar. You talked about Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. Has there been anybody over the last five years, 10 years, as you've now started to move to another level of you've already, in a sense, made it, but now you have to continue to elevate yourself. You have to continue to elevate your mindset. Has there been one person, and I know there's probably been many, but is there one person that you would like to give credit to that you think has continuously challenged you to elevate your mindset? Yeah, probably the person who's challenged my thinking is Dr. Mark Sharona. He has been my pastor and spiritual leader for 22 years. And at 65 years of age, he's going back to school for his second PhD. He has read over 18,000 books. That's right, 18,000 books. And he constantly challenges my thinking to become a better, a better human being and a better leader and and probably even more importantly a better father because i have two children that are one is 21 one is 18 and what i recognize a lot of who i have become is because of just watching reading listening and i'll just say it this way the well that you drink from is the well that you think from and eventually it is the well that you emulate and become 
Hmm. It was there ever, is there one time or one story of where you thought that you had the right answer, but he was, he challenged you, or at least a narrative challenged you. And, and you look back on that and you're so happy that it happened. <laughs> totally, totally. The, the, the narrative is he asked me one day, how are you doing? And I said, you know, if I had white skin, blonde hair, blue eyes, it would be very easy to succeed in America. And he mm. said to me, you're stuck in your mind and your body thinking the pigmentation of your skin determines your future. And I said, how can you say that? You're a white man. And he said, when he and his wife first got married, they adopted two young African-American boys. And he said, I've been telling them what they could be instead of what they couldn't be. And he said, I'm telling you, Simon T. Bailey, you were not born to fit in. You were born to be brilliant. And when he said it, it just, boom, unlocked something in me because no one had ever told me that I was born to be brilliant. I just thought I was, you know, hey, just kind of going through life, just trying to make the most of a little piece of a dream, right? right. All of a sudden, he said, you're born to be brilliant. And that literally changed the trajectory of my life. I love it. For a lot of people, they want to have a mentor. They want to have a coach. And you talked about in the beginning, right? You needed to level up by getting a coach. And not only did you have a one, but you had two coaches that really helped you to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. But people don't know. I think that one of the buzzwords out there is figure out a way to give value. But for someone like you, who looks like they already have a solid team, who looks like they already have written many of books, how could someone give value to someone of your level? How could we get that mentorship, that coaching to be able to take our mindset to the next level? Yeah, so many people come to me and they want mentorship. And and obviously I can't mentor all the people that come to me. So what I like to say before you step to me, read my books. Read what I've already put out in the world, either online. I've got online classes with LinkedIn Learning and obviously the classes we do. So look at developing yourself from afar. And then when you come to me, say, I already know what you teach about, what you write about, and here's how I've applied it to my life. Because see, uh, knowledge is information, right? And then understanding is comprehension, But wisdom, as Dr. Miles Monroe taught me, is application. Mm. So I want to know how have you applied what I have shared through the material that is already there? Because so many times you just want to come and suck up your time and have not done the work. Right. I need you. I need you to work before you step to me. So then that lets me know that you're in and you're just not showing up with hat in hand. Right. And, And we're just talking like, you know. One book is like just a $20 investment, just a $20 investment. And if you don't want to do that, I have a plethora of videos that are on YouTube that are free. Go there. And that's like mentors that I want to be mentored, a mentor by that I will never meet. I read their books. I watch their videos. I listen to their podcast. And that's how I continue to grow and be mentored from a distance. Got it. So you listen to, I know you're a big avid reader, right? But do you you listen to podcasts as well? Oh, wow. Like, listen, how much time do you have? (laughs) I listen to Strictly Business Podcast, The School of Greatness, Punk Rock HR. I mean, I listen to a ton. Um, How I Built This, Guy Raz, which is such a great podcast to understand the backstory of business 
oh my goodness, podcasting is the new, what I would call the new digital university. You can get it in just a, a click of a button and learn so much. It's like an MBA, a mini MBA on steroids. Right. Yeah. When you put in podcasts with YouTube and you can, there's nothing you can't learn. Right. And and I love it that you said Guy Raz like that. He was definitely one of the first ones. And then Lewis Howe School of Greatness, uh, all of these ones. But yeah, for sure. This has been such a phenomenal conversation. And I'm so glad that we got an opportunity to be able to release a little bit of your brilliance and be able to hopefully apply some of the wisdom that you've given us and create our own wisdom. The last thing I would like to ask is for someone out there, they're listening and they're inspired by you. They love the path that you've created and they want to blaze their own path, maybe similar to you, or maybe, you know, it's something just totally different, but they want to have similar values and be able to just really execute. But they have that little voice in their head. And that little voice, I'm sure you've heard it before, but it says that they're not strong enough, they're not smart enough, or maybe they just don't have enough resources. What's the one thing that you would say to that person to get them to just take action? Yeah, there will never be a perfect time to become the person you might have been. You've got to make the move right now because there's something called timing and you don't want to miss your timing because everybody that's supposed to help you when you show up on time, they're there to usher you to the next step in your journey. Wow. I love it. I love it. Well, for anybody that wants to stay connected with you, where can they find you at? Yeah, Simon T. Bailey, T. Like Terrific, uh, com. This is my website, Simon T. Bailey, throughout all the social media platforms. This is how you can find me. There you have it. Well, remember, Dream Nation, hopefully you've gotten so much value out of this episode, as I told you in the beginning that you would, but you have to apply because without it, it's only a fantasy. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.